Hi, this is Brother Richard Edward at Church of Our Savior. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcasts. I wanted to take just a moment before we start this Sunday's podcast to invite you, if you haven't done so already, to contribute to support this vital ministry of the community. Everything from our staff to our IT infrastructure is vital for us to continue podcasting regularly and to continue the service that touches so many lives. It's so easy to give a one-time contribution or make a monthly pledge online. Just go to cosmv.org slash pledge. Again, that's cosmv.org slash pledge. Any amount makes a difference, and your gifts are tax-deductible. Thank you again for listening and supporting this work in the gospel. We look forward to seeing you soon. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. G.K. Chesterton has a wonderful saying that I always return to. It goes something like this. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and pray for our enemies, probably because most of the time they're the same people. Today we have the coincidence of a Sunday and the 4th of July And this is always a head-scratcher for many of my colleagues, and frankly, me too. Celebrating a national holiday in church is always a little bit awkward, and especially awkward at this time when the country is so deeply divided politically, and there's so much finger-pointing, and there's even controversy about whether there should be flags or not flags or any flags at all. So I turn the coffee hour over to our British expats today. They're taking care of everything. It's true, and you'll see what they did. You'll see what they did. That controversy, though, is not new. It goes back a long way. And as a matter of fact, a little gloss on this major feast day in the Episcopal Church talks about its history. 
it goes all the way back to the very beginning. William White, who was Bishop of Philadelphia and one of the architects of the Episcopal Church, was rubbing shoulders with many of the people who were at the same time forging the Constitution of the United States. He would show up at the meetings of the American Philosophical Society in Philadelphia, who was attended by people named Benjamin Franklin. And there were others he knew in his circle, and he was deeply acquainted with the philosophical issues and all of the struggles that were going on in the founding of the New Republic. He had that in one ear, and in the other ear, he had a whole bunch of clergy in this new church that he was helping found who had been loyalists to the crown during the revolution. So you can imagine what it was like for him to be one of our first presiding bishops and to preside over one of the first general conventions of the Episcopal Church. It was a fraught time. And there was, in fact, legislation on the floor of one of those early conventions that would enshrine Independence Day as a major feast of the Episcopal Church. William White stood against it. And he said, and he wrote, that on principle, it might be a good thing, but he said, why are we going to subject many of our clergy, who were known to be loyalists during the Revolution, who live outside the major cities, why are we going to subject them to ridicule when we require them to read prayers for this new country that they find so dubious even to this day? How will they make that work? How will we accommodate them? You see, William White was a good Anglican, and a good Episcopalian. He understood that wars and revolutions and major political changes, no matter how good or how virtuous, create division. And the church's role is distinct. The church's role is to help bring people back together as one. Fourth of July would not become a major feast in the Episcopal Church until 1928 in the last Book of Common Prayer. And it's still controversial. I hear. I hear. There are questions afoot. Should we continue to have Independence Day as a major feast in the Episcopal Church when now we encompass 16 different countries? and four continents. These are the questions. And they are not questions about patriotism, as we might be accused. They are questions that go very much to the heart and the foundation of our faith. And that's why we have the readings we have today. My Old Testament professor at the Church Divinity School of the Pacific, Dr. Don Morgan, used to talk about the forging of the Torah and the ancient law 
of the Israelites. The very foundations of not only Jewish faith, but really our tradition as well, because Jesus depends so heavily on the teachings of Torah when he is teaching and preaching and ministering. Dr. Morgan was always fond of teaching that there is not one letter written in the Jewish law that is not there for a reason. And any of you who have done any legal work at all know this. Laws are not written normally because people sit down and sort of hypothesize about what might go wrong. Laws are almost always written reactively to something that's going wrong in the society or something that needs to be redressed. It's very practical that way. So look back at Deuteronomy today. One of the cornerstones of the Torah. What is Deuteronomy teaching? The first statement is a theological one. God is impartial. God doesn't take sides. Why was that written? Probably because there were a lot of people running around saying, God is on my side. Sound familiar? It was one of our great presidents, Abraham Lincoln, who was once asked, you know, do you think God is on our side? Do you remember what he said in response? He said, I'm not concerned about God being on my side. I'm concerned about me being on God's side. Very wise. Profound, even. For someone who presided over a country that was coming apart literally at the seams and where young men on the streets were killing each other all over. That's the first thing to remember, and it's at the very foundation of our tradition. The second thing to remember from this foundation is that in times of prosperity, it is human nature to pull up the ladder after us and batten the hatches and keep everyone else out because we're enjoying ourselves. And who wants somebody to come into a party and say they need something or they want something or they're suffering? Nobody wants that. So what does the author of Deuteronomy write? Remember those who are suffering and those who are marginalized. Remember the stranger. It's easy to remember your friends. That's human nature. You see where Jesus is coming from, right? Remember the stranger. Remember the widow. Remember the orphan. Take care of those who are considered least in society. And then the implication is you will live in a blessed land. You will live in a blessed That's the gospel this day. As we celebrate our ability to gather freely to worship, which is a gift, William White knew what the authors of the Constitution knew, 
that the experiment to have Christian theocracy entangled deeply with state power was an experiment that had run, by that time, about 1,500 years, maybe a little bit shorter, maybe a little bit longer, depending on who you ask. And the founders were all in agreement. It didn't go very well at the end of the day. didn't go very well for the people who often suffered because the state then was in the business of enforcing theological perspectives on everybody. And honestly, it didn't go well for the church either because it meant the church was co-opted by political power. William White's vision, amongst other things, was for a church like the Episcopal Church that would be free to voice its conscience in the public square and not be tangled up in the dynamics of political power. I'm not sure we always lived into William White's vision. It's less than a generation or two ago that we were seen as the church of privileged political power in this country. That all began to unravel, not 60 years ago. It unraveled in some ways right here when one of my predecessors, Murray Hammond, heeded the call of Martin Luther King and joined the march on Selma. To illustrate the point, half a dozen families left the parish. voice of conscience, the moral voice, the voice that points to those most in need, the voice that tells the truth to power. This is our vocation as a church. We are blessed to live in a land where we can exercise that fairly freely. It's a tough road. It means when all of those in power are screaming for war, we have to talk about praying for our enemies and proclaim the need for peace. It means when things are going well and the markets are riding high and it seems like everybody is making money, we have to remember those who have been forgotten left by the side of the road, the neglected, the homeless, the indigent, the poor. And it means that when the country is so deeply divided, like it is right now, we have to engage the language of reconciliation and hope and the recognition of the dignity of those who may fundamentally disagree with us, because they, too, are God's children. And in that sense, we have a role to play, even now, in American society and the society of the world, as we have always done, to proclaim the gospel, as Francis was fond of saying, use words when necessary. 
and to remember whose we are. God's. And God's alone. Offered for a world in need. There is a for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at Our Savior Mill Valley. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.